I remember um, the first article I wrote was after I went to a conference, I talked about what I was doing and a professor told me, uh, I would like an article uh, about what you are doing for my journal. And he said at the end, and you will see, you will better understand what you are doing. And I said, what do you think you think you are? Of course I understand what I do. Once I started to write about my workshops, it was at the very, very beginning of my writing workshops for PhD students. While writing, I realized that he was right because I do or I did a lot of things intuitively. But then having to explain to somebody else why I'm doing this helped me to better understand what I'm doing, actually. It was a very interesting experience. This pushed me to write a book then after that. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD, today on this International Podcast Day 2022, September, September 30th. It's a, it's a fun day for podcasters to, to do uh, live events and to exchange, you know, to, to communicate, to, uh, uh, to get feedback from listeners. So it's super fun for me to be here today and to already have some feedback even though it was just to talk about some freezing <laughs> issues that were happening, it's really, really fun for me. Now, a little bit about Martha Bugla. When Martha wanted to write her thesis in philosophy, she was paralyzed for many months by the fear of the blank page. When she eventually understood that every researcher is concerned by writer's block and that writing problems are taboo at university, she started to investigate the phenomenon of writing. One discovery changed her life. Writer's block is part and parcel of the writing process, and there are lots of creative techniques to overcome it. More, some writing techniques hold an almost magical power. Why were these not taught at university? Her passion for writing techniques was born with a double consequence. First, once she overcame that initial writer's block, she was able to write her thesis and wrote it in a wave of euphoria. Second, once she got her PhD, she created Scriptoria, where she offers workshops for PhD students. Its goal? To make writing a thesis easier. Welcome to Papa PhD, Martha. Thank you very much, David. Thank you for your invitation. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, uh, Martha, it's it's a real pleasure for me. Uh, you're, uh, I consider you a friend of the show. We've exchanged, we've we've communicated outside of the scope of uh, of doing interviews, uh, and um, and it's it's really really this question of writing, you know, especially because it it's the last the last stage before you you can deliver and finish and then defend. Often, it's uh, it gets it can get even people to to quit. This can be such a block that people can say, "I can't do this," and and drop all those years of work, and and not finish their degree. I, that that is something that happens. So, because this is something that everyone needs, this is something that benefits everyone. You know, and 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 every young researcher, because skills in writing are important throughout your career. Uh, this is why I'm I'm super super happy on this international podcast day to have you here on Papa PhD to discuss this. I'm happy as well. So I kind of told your story, the, you know, your origin story uh, of how you became first interested, then uh, uh, an expert uh, in this question of writing techniques, creative writing techniques, and and ways to to get unstuck when when you get to these blank you know writer's block uh, episodes and one of the things that really struck me even in o other conversations that we had before was this realization that you had that everyone went through it even people that you might consider as people who write very well it's part of the process can you talk a little bit about that and maybe you know shed some light on on how common this is yes um Actually, writing is a process, and the problem of people, particularly people who um, had no writing problems during school uh, at, and even at university, writing essays, 
uh, can give them the illusion that uh, they can write and that uh, writing a dissertation will not be very different from writing a, a, an essay. And um, I think this feeling or this illusion is reinforced by the fact that university does not, or most university, do not provide uh, courses, uh, writing courses. Mm -hmm. So that we have, you might you might think what I have learned at school is enough to write my thesis, uh, which is not, which absolutely not true. Um, the point is that writing is a process, and uh, a good text is the pro the the result of many phases of improvement. You cannot, and this is the worst thing you can you can you can do. You cannot, or if you try to write it well or even perfect, the first time you are blocking yourself, it will not work. Mm -hmm. So there's two things there that I that I get, uh, which is um, there, the fact that the, the, the training is not offered means that uh, people, when they embark in this adventure of writing a thesis, probably the, the largest document they will ever write in their in their life, um, they come with the tools and habits they have from before, and but this is a totally different animal. So, and and then uh, you're kind of just expected to be good at it naturally, uh, and um, so that's the first thing, and, and that's where I, I think the problem lies. Part of the problem lies, which is your this is different. This is very different. So it takes a, a differently structured. Uh, process uh, uh, sequence of of things you do to get there. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, this this mental um, frame of mind of I need to get it right at the first. You know, if I'm if I wrote a bad paragraph, uh, then it's just it's because I suck at this, and and I you know and and. Uh, clearly, my colleague writes, or my my PI writes, much better than me the first time, and I guess that's where it's it's kind of a myth. It's not true. Even very very productive writers and writers of articles go through iterations. Is that what you mean? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And um, very often, uh, what blocks people is also they come with so many ideas, with so much knowledge, and they don't know how to start, which is normal. You have so many things in head. What is important is to start to write. And even if you write uh, for five minutes or for uh, five pages, just blah, blah, after a while, you will start to come to your ideas. And perhaps um, the first draft will be messy, but this is normal. A first draft is not something perfect. A first draft is not something we are going to give you readers, but you have, you need this first draft because then, you visualize your ideas. You see all what you have in your mind, mm -hmm. and visualizing your ideas helps first of uh, first of all to sort out your ideas. Then not everyone is interesting for your purpose. When you sort them out, you reduce the quantity of material, uh, so you have a better overview, and then it is much easier to decide in which order you want to to deal with them and also to to deepen each interesting idea. Mm -hmm. So it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. It is um, a very bad idea trying to solve all the problems mentally, mm -hmm. and to think when I write something, it has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 thing is, for me, what I see the challenge, uh, you know, when when you haven't been coached into how to do it and how to start doing it because again it's a process it's something that that you ideally start early ish and little by little you know you make it grow um but uh you know in the end you need to have this many articles or this many words or you know it's it's uh, in the end it's going to be a, a gigantic document but uh, i think what you're saying is you can't download all of that right away from day one onto the paper. You need to kind of grow it like a plant, or or, or um, you you need to 
to create a skeleton and then flesh it out part by part. So what would be, let's say, step one of a, of a healthy voyage into uh, thesis writing? If you want, you can answer in another way. What's one big thing that keeps a lot of people from having a good start doing it? Step one is to know where I want to go to, to mm -hmm. have a goal. Many people start writing without having a goal, mm. thinking, mm, I start writing and then I will see where I land. Uh, this is also a very bad idea because uh, you waste time, you waste, you, you, you get lost. Uh, many people have several goals because they cannot make a decision. Everything is important. They want to have everything in the thesis, but it's <laughs> not possible. You have to make choices. You have to decide what you will keep and what you will leave apart. Being aware that what we what you will not enter in your thesis um, is not lost. You can you can uh, present it in um, publications, conferences, in other books, in films, whatever. But don't try to put everything in your thesis. This is the best way to 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 get overwhelmed. So you mm -hmm. need to have a goal. Uh, what can help you to decide what will be your goal uh, is to find what are your diamonds. Then the reason why you write a, a thesis is to present your diamonds. Mm -hmm. I mean, originality of your work, what's interesting, what's different, what's new. This is why you are writing this thesis. But many people just forget their diamond. They present a thesis without any diamond. So you ask yourself, what have they done? And this can be explained by um, many reasons. One of them is that often when you spend years working on something, the most original, the most beautiful diamonds are seem to be so banal to you that you don't even see them. You don't even think of mentioning them. So in this case, uh, ask your supervisor, your friends, your colleagues, people who, who can see them to help you make them visible for yourself first and then for your readers. So it's a triage, kind of uh, uh, the idea that you've produced so much work in the years co coming up to the to the thesis that if you just try to put put it all in there, you're not showcasing the best of the best of what you did. So... And it's it's interesting what you said because I've heard this thing about writing and then giving the text to someone else because your brain you've been you've been writing it since the be since the beginning and it's hard to review something that you've been working on and this is kind of a parallel to what you're saying which is find someone else of course your supervisor is the a logical first but maybe colleagues and um, and ask them to please. Uh, kind of distill what they feel is the diamond or are the diamonds uh, in your in your uh, thesis. Can you give an example of this? Uh, maybe of someone someone that you've helped go from a diamond in the rough to something shiny. It was um, the the story which has comes to your mind uh, is a guy. Let's call him Hamid. Uh, it was in Germany. He came to my workshop, to my writing workshop for writing a thesis. And um, he came to me. He was very, very pale and very sad and said, mm. actually, my, my research is a fiasco. Um, everything was a failure. Um, all what I've done draw nowhere. Um, I have nothing to write, nothing interesting. And I have to finish this year. Mm, my visa is getting. Um, I'm not. Okay, the visa it's is ending. Getting, yeah, it's ending. Thank you. The um, the financiation as well. I have to go back home. But how can I can I go back home? My colleagues are waiting for me. A job is waiting for me at university. But the condition is me to bring a doctor title, of course. Of course. So I will come with empty hands. I don't know how I can go back home. Okay, it was a drama. A very yeah yeah very dramatic yeah. And then I asked him, uh, can you tell me what you have done? And then he started. I've done this, it didn't work. I've done this, it didn't work. I'd have been this, it didn't work, and so on. And he was very sad, me too. Mm. And uh, I asked him, uh, have you learned something out of all what did not, did not work? Yes, of course. Okay, then can you tell me again the same story, what you have done and what you have learned each day? And this he, done, he, uh, he did. 
I've done this, I learned this, I've done this, I learned this, and so on. And at the end, he started to have some uh, pink, pink colors in the face. He started to, he was not as sad as before. And uh, then I asked him, um, do you think some researchers who are working on this topic could be interested in all what you have found? Oh, yes, of course. Would you have liked to know all this before you started? Yes, of course. <laughs> so mm -hmm. why don't you write about all these? These are your diamonds. Mm -hmm. It took him a while to to reconsider the whole the whole situation, but at the end he realized that although he did not get positive results, all the negative results were also diamonds because they would help his readers if um, for people who would like to work on this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That that's that, that's very very powerful <laughs> because. Uh, one when you don't have results it's easy to get a message that you failed in a way because what gets published is positive results not negative results but what i'm hearing is your thesis is yours and you have the right to extract even though there's no uh, yeah there's no paper or whatever you can still extract what of positive you've learned and put it in your thesis and present that as as um, as your thesis, and uh, it's something uh, it's something I've never heard. It must have been tough for him the time before he came to you, but then it sounds to me that it was a breakthrough for him of being able to then finally write and defend. Do do you have a do you have a final chapter of of this? He got, he got his degree and he was able to follow up with his plans, his professional yes, plans. Yes, he finished his thesis. He went back to his, to his uh, country. Yes, excellent. He was in uh, physics, so life, uh, life sciences. And um, a couple of months ago, I met uh, another lady. She was also in life sciences. I don't remember what. She was crying mm -hmm. and telling me almost the same story. I asked her because I dedicated a, a video on YouTube in French to this, um, to this uh, Hamid story. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told her to look at the video because I didn't have time to, to tell her uh, what to do. We were in the classroom and virtual classroom. And um, after she looked at the video, she had a lot of ideas to, to solve her problem. And um, I think for what I saw that uh, she, she had ideas to write a good PhD. Wow. So... Yeah, this is revolutionary to me, and and it's something that uh, that uh, I I will need to I'll need to reflect about even even in my in my PhD story. Uh, I wish I had I had I known you <laughs> that that long ago, but um, so okay, so you've gone to an extreme case of someone who does you know the data is the the experiments or the data is not coming the way they 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 wanted and it's not published etc. and even in that situation, all that work that you've done in the years before, you can you can turn it into a thesis. Uh, but then, of course, there's the whole gamut of other situations of you have great data. There, even if you have great data, the diamonds are just two or three, or you know, th there's two or three messages that you're going to drive through that you're going to drive home on, in, on that thesis. And there's a lot of the things that you have done that will not go in the thesis. So I, I'm thinking of, you know, you, things have worked well. You have, uh, you know, a, a paper, two papers, three papers, whatever. This question of finding the diamonds, how does it work in that setting of um, what what do I put in the B pile and what do I put in the A pile? How, do, how, is, how does that process work, uh, you know, after six years or five years of, of work? How do you, how do you choose the diamonds, or how do you what de, what defines a diamond? I think that's the question. Ah, that's the question. Uh, I would say everybody uh, will define it another way. In any case, I must be aware that I have diamonds, and this is what I want to show. This is what deserves to be shown. Mm -hmm. It can be the method I have created. It can be the results I have. Um, Found. It can be uh, discoveries I've done. It can be the message I want to convey, which is uh, connected with my um, with my results as well. It can be anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So in one, and once you've chosen, so once you've defined, okay, these are my diamonds, the feeling I'm getting is if you go to a restaurant that has a hundred choices on their menu, you can have, you can be blocked too, right? You can have this kind of, oh my God, I can't choose. But once, if they've done the work of having, let's say three choices, which is, it's very rare, but then it's fairly easy to say, okay, I want this one or this one or this one. And here, what I'm hearing is one thing that can help you is, okay, there's a lot that you've done in the last few years. Choose a a, a small amount of diamonds. Once you've chosen those diamonds, then it's easier to start working on them. Is is that the reason why you should choose your diamonds is to, to be less distracted by all that exists and focus just on those three to begin? Two or three? Um, Yes. And also because being aware of what will be the the core of your work, the core of your work will be those diamonds. And I mean, there are not so many diamonds. Of course, Mm. you choose the big one, the biggest one or ones. Once you know what will be the core of your work, then it is easier to decide what will be the goal. That means what will be the end of my thesis and what will be the big research question. That means what will be the beginning of my thesis. So I have those three three points which help me already to have a structure. Mm -hmm. And then once you have, so once you have that first the first seed of your of your thesis what are then the next the next few steps because i imagine that even choosing these diamonds you're going to hit writer's block at different at different ways right mm-hmm. there's a paragraph that somehow is difficult to come out in a in a good way uh, or or there's you, you you can also be uh, uncertain on the order of how things are going to go so what's the next the next step on a on a smooth sailing journey of of thesis writing once you've done this first choice and an identification of of your, the start the end and the the diamonds like you said okay um you need also to know who are your readers this is also something uh, many people forget mm-hmm. you don't write the same text for uh, people who for specialists or non-specialists for people who agree with you or people you have to convince because they have the opposite position, for example. Um, depending on who are your readers, you will build an argumentation, a strategy, or another one. Uh, this is also very important. Um, for me, the, the five pillars for writing a thesis are the diamonds, the research question, the goal, the reader, and the the starting problem. Mm-hmm. This is also something very important. The starting problem is a fact. And it is so evident that at least the people I meet, among the people I work with, most of them have difficulties to define the starting problem. Because it is so evident. They see it, but they they, they don't see it. <laughs> it's <laughs> so close that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But once they've set words on their starting problem, they embed their whole work in a context. And just hearing the problem, even if I'm not familiar with their topic, I can hear why their work is important Mm -hmm. and why the diamond is a diamond. And sometimes uh, they don't see the diamond, but once they have defined the, the, the starting problem, they see what is the diamond. So... Those five pillars are, um, I would say, interactive. The one can help you which which one to to set. For example, depending on who is my reader, this diamond will be more interesting than another one. Perhaps I don't know if it makes sense. It does make sense. Now, one thing one thing that uh, that I think is important also, an invisible factor in this question of the stress of writing is. The timeline, you know, often you are at the end of your 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 funding, so you might have to write while you're not receiving uh, money anymore. Uh, also, there may be pressure for you to keep working while you're writing. Um, what is ideally, based on your experience, uh, a good practice in terms of 
when to start even thinking about the writing and thinking about these questions uh, that is not the last six months of your of your thesis? <laughs> well, writing uh, is an activity you can start from the, the first year on. Not writing on your thesis, but you can write in a so-called diary or PhD diary, uh, PhD journal, because uh, they, you are not motivated to write a lot. And sometimes you need to write a lot to produce just one single interesting idea. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're allergic to paper, you can also have this PhD diary in your in your computer. This is up to you. Um, the point is to be aware that this PhD diary is not um, laboratory, how do you call it? Carnet de laboratoire. A, log, a logbook. Yeah, it's not a logbook is something just for you. Nobody's meant to read in it. Your colleagues, your professors, your friends are not going to read in this. This is just for yourself. And here you can write all what comes up to your mind, con uh, connected with your, um, with your work, questions, experiences you've had, uh, when you are angry. Emotions are also important because a PhD student's life is full of emotions, even if mm -hmm. at the end, The text should be uh, free from emotions. Um, the researcher's life is full of emotions. Mm -hmm. So these emotions uh, uh, can also push you. They can also block you. And writing about them can help you to get rid of them, to better understand them, and perhaps also to do something with them. And uh, what is important is from time to time to read in your notebook in order to pick up interesting ideas. Uh, I see many people I meet the first year, um, they start keeping writing in a PhD notebook, but they never reading it. And after three, four years, they have three, or not three, 10, 20 uh, notebooks. And then before they start reading their thesis, they go through their notebooks and they realize how many interesting ideas they've had, mm -hmm. but they did not do anything with them. And now it's too late. Mm. This is frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I can see how that how that happens, uh, and uh, there's so many things happening. There's so so many things to do, experiments and and new challenges and troubleshooting. That that good idea that uh, that appeared weeks ago, it'll disappear in the in the yeah. mist of memory. <laughs> hmm. So so from year one, writing uh, writing kind of a, a journal uh, of of ideas that is just for you. That that's really interesting because um, a lot of, uh, at least my experience doing the PhD was very intense day, very intense, very focused days, and and focused on solving the issue of the moment, troubleshooting the thing of the moment, and what I think what you're suggesting is having kind of a um, Ariadne's uh, thread that you can that you can. Uh, go back and that you that you can kind of zoom out of this very very focused day-to-day -day life and go back to the big picture every often um it's uh, it's very very interesting yes and uh, writing this is also something which comes from school uh most people have learned to write in order to be judged to be evaluated But writing is much more than this and is much more interesting than just being uh, evaluated. When you write, you, you visualize your thoughts. Um, you connect ideas with each other. Sometimes you see connections you would never have seen before. Or sometimes you generate new ideas because of these connections, for example. And writing also helps to structure your ideas and doing so to better understand what you are doing. Mm. I remember um, the first article I wrote was after I went to a conference, I talked about what I was doing, and a professor told me, uh, I would like an article uh, about what you are doing for my, for my journal. And he, I said, okay. And he said at the end, and you will see, you will better understand what you are doing. And I said, what do you think you, you, think you are? Of course, I understand what I do. Uh, but I didn't say anything. I said, okay. And 
once I started to write about my workshops, it was at the very, very beginning of my writing workshops for PhD students. While writing, I realized that he was, he was right because I do or I did a lot of things intuitively. I had the feeling now it would be good to do this and then to do this. If it works, then it's part of my program. I don't reflect on this anymore. But then having to explain to somebody else why I'm doing this now and what is happening after that and help me to better understand what I'm doing actually. And uh, yeah. It was it was a, a very interesting experience. This pushed me mm -hmm. to write a book. Then after that, oh, and wow. since then, when I see people who who refuse to write, I really I tell them this story and I tell them at least try. I have another example which illustrates this idea that you better understand what uh, you, what you are doing uh, when you write. I often meet people who come to my writing workshops, telling me. Um, when I wrote my master thesis, I realized that I started to really understand my topic when I was finishing my text. Mm. Then I realized that my text was a kind of rough draft, messy. I should, should have rewritten it, but I didn't have time anymore. I didn't have energy anymore. I don't understand what happened, but I don't want to experience this with my dissertation, with my PhD thesis anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when I ask them, uh, when did you start to write? When did you write for the first time? The answer is always the same. When I, I started to write, when I started to write my master thesis. That means all the mess which should take place here yeah. in the PhD notebook took place in the master thesis. And again, writing helps to better understand what you are doing, to better understand your topic. And once you've understood, once you've understood it, then of course writing is much easier, and your ideas are clearer and much easier to structure. They are oh. already structured. Mm. Excellent. And when you're writing in your notebook, so you again, it's like a, like I said, it's like a personal journal of of your reflections or ideas that you have. Uh, so it's really you read, you're just writing it for yourself, right? It's not. Um, it's it doesn't have to have a specific format. It's Whatever you dump, it's like a brain dump of things that that uh, that's really really interesting, mm -hmm. and and now <clears throat> maybe the the, the this uh, concept of 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 keeping a PhD journal helps with with my next question. Oh, <clears throat> I see here we have a comment from Alberta saying it's a useful useful and much needed session. Thank you so much, Alberta. For, for your feedback. Uh, I think so too. And this is why I'm super, super happy to have Martha here today. And I'm going to try to to uh, to ask all my questions and, and get the most out of <laughs> of her of her know-how and, and her experience. But one thing that that um so one thing that I've seen is and that I experienced myself is starting the mess just when you start writing. And and it's true that it's uh it's tough <laughs> because it's a mess. It is a mess. You don't you don't know straight away where you're going. You you kind of like you said, as you write, things start to fuse together and to make sense together. And some don't, so you you kind of put them away. So yes, having having this um, bubble of reflection, daily reflection or weekly reflection, is for sure going to help. Um, so, but now I have another question, based on on the fact that so many of us who are doing PhDs uh, are um, mostly who we don't come from countries where English is not the first language, uh, are, are uh, often um, faced with this this idea that oh my god my PI writes so well, and this is not my my first language, I'm not good at writing because. This is not my first language. Is this something that you see with the, the people you coach too? And this is some is this something that uh, that you approach with them? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I see different um, different types. The thing which is to avoid absolutely is what I've seen sometimes. People who say, "Okay, I will write my thesis in my mother tongue because I can only think in my mother tongue, and then I will translate it." 
a waste of time and be aware that you will never be able to translate yourself. When I write in French and I want to translate it in German, mm. when I see and I, and I, I trans, by translating, I, I have a new idea and then I start to write something else. And at the end, <laughs> it's not the same text. And it's quite messy because this is not what I have prepared. So rather write um, in a, let's say we want to write in English, rather write the first draft in a bad English, in a mix of mother tongue and English and Franklish, Denglish, whatever, but have the target language uh, as a um, writing the target language. And you will improve this text little by little. And being aware again that writing is a process um, that a good text is a result of many phases of improvement and that each phase had, has its own uh, goal will help you at the, at the end to have a text in a good English without even if English is not your mother tongue. But mm -hmm. what you should avoid is uh, what other people do. They, they forbid themselves to think in their mother tongue, although it is much easier for them or they forbid them, themselves to write something in the mother tongue because now they just want to write in English. You think differently in each language. So of the course. more languages you know, the, more, the, the, the richer your thoughts are. So why not integrate them all? And then, okay, little by little, you will, you will work on the language, but this is not the most important. The most important is you to put all, your, all what you want to say on paper. Mm -hmm. So, so, that's that's kind of what I was thinking, which is it seems to me from what you're saying that uh there's no <clears throat> expectation you being you know not a native speaker of English that your your thesis has to to be uh written in the most uh, like authentic uh uh i don't know like native style of writing. There's no what the expectation is that it's correct, that it's accurate, and that it allows the reader to understand your research. Because I think it's a it can be a big blocker of writing this self uh, evaluation of I'm not good uh, at this, and when I compare with my PI, I suck at this. So the ideas are more important than the form. That that's what I'm getting. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And what you have done, of course. I mean. There are also native speakers writing in their native in their language, no matter if English, French, German, whatever, who write very very badly. Some speak, some uh, foreigners write much better in their language. So uh, not because you are a native speaker, you write well. I remember once I was giving a, a workshop in English. It was in France. Uh, write your paper step by step and. At the beginning, everyone should uh, present himself or introduce himself or herself and why they were here. And everybody said, I'm here because um, I have difficulties to write in English. Everyone saying this. And um, I was wondering what was the real problem until we had the luck to have a British man. And he said, I'm here because I don't know how to structure my ideas. I don't like to write. Uh, I don't know where to start. And the others were just opening their eyes. A British man who has writing problems, he just write a paper in English. And from then on, the others started to talk about the real problems there. <laughs> that's so funny. That's, that's really, really interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're watching, if you're listening, don't don't make the fact that, that, it's, that you're not a, a, a native speaker of the language you need to write your thesis in uh, an obstacle. It's, it, it shouldn't be. And there's there's more important stuff, uh, important stuff to to um, to take care of. Like like for example, struck like this person said, structuring your ideas. And you mentioned something interesting. I don't like to write. <laughs> it's uh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one, right? Because it's a belief or a perception that the person has from themselves. So it's pretty you know it's it's set pretty deep in the person how do you deal with this idea of i don't like to write this is an activity that frustrates me or that uh that i don't enjoy how do you change that self-talk that negative self-talk um i don't know if i change it entirely it depends on the reasons why the person does not like to write but 
when I show them uh, that uh, writing a text can be a piece of fun, that uh, it does not have to be something boring, uh, that uh, there is also a place for creativity, um, and that you are allowed to write something nobody is going to read. It does not need to be perfect from the beginning. Um, Perhaps they will not love writing, but at least um, it will not be that um, horrible thing they 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 imagine it to be. It makes sense. So I, I imagine that part of the not liking to write may have to do, and and again, I'm thinking of you know academics and and young researchers, and it, of our way of thinking is to be very self-critical about our work, and and if you make it more fun, if you allow yourself more latitude in terms of uh, creativity etc and of not judging what you do at each line that you write then the process is going to be it's going to be more fun you know like you said this is a good segue into this next question which has to do with the fun part because you've mentioned it and you you even in your presentation you know to make it become a source of joy uh, and you know when you have a blank page, let's say the start of a, a chapter or the start of a section in a chapter that's giving you trouble and that you, maybe there's two days you haven't been able to, you've been writing a line and then erasing it. What are techniques that, that you use to make it more fun? Okay, if you write a sentence and you dislike it, write the next one. Don't delete the first one. And perhaps um, filling the, the, the page or perhaps writing, 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 writing things you dislike, which are maybe stupid, who knows. Uh, after a while, you will come to something more interesting, much quicker than if you delete that sentence hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. You're kind of hurting yourself each time you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and um, it looks to me also that, like the journal that you mentioned, if you keep those those failed attempts, it's kind of a trait. It's something you can look back at and kind of make sense of it at a later at a later point. Um, but uh, what if if it's just a you know that blank page thing that that the writer's block of okay, I have I know this there's this section I need to start it and I can't I can't find the the thread of where to where to start. Are there also techniques or games or you know things that you can do? to just get you going and then un unblock the the process? Yes, you can start uh, to write what you uh, just said, like, uh, I don't know how to start, uh, I don't like this topic, uh, this is a mess, and writing this unblocks a lot. Or uh, <laughs> you can also brainstorm your ideas, just Write down all what comes up to your mind connected with your topic, or even if it is unconnected, write down all, write down all what uh, belongs to your topic or comes up to your mind. Um, or what um, is very popular uh, among my students in the workshops is to write white in white, hmm? if you write with a computer. Okay. You don't see what you are writing so that you cannot be self-critical. You cannot uh, you cannot read what you are writing, so that after a while you are in a flow. You let your thoughts think, and uh, at the end, after I don't know forty minutes, thirty minutes, depending on how much uh, um, energy concentration ideas you have, you stop, and then you can uh, put the police in, in in black, and you can read what you have written. That's so cool. Some people love it. At, at the beginning, I proposed this in every workshop. Some people just look at me. <laughs> <laughs> this and, is uh, weird. <laughs> it's just a proposal. If you don't want, then just forget it. Um, some people feel uncomfortable with this. But for some people, it's really a great help. Some of them, this is kind of meditation. It does look to me like somehow... Our, our our nervous systems and our, our sensory systems are programmed to work against us. And here you're kind of hijacking that. 
by saying, hey, now you can't see what you write. So you can't judge what you write. So keep writing. And then it gets the, the, the juice is flowing and it kind of unlocks it from the inside. It, it's, it's really, really interesting, but it's, it's very psychological. Yes, uh, it is. Absolutely. It looks to me actually that a lot of what you've mentioned has to do with unlocking your writing skills from the inside. It's it, a lot yes. of it seems to be a change of mindset, uh, or or uh, or in this case, it, closing one of your senses so that it, it it doesn't work against you. It's really 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 interesting. Feels a uh, <laughs> feels a bit uh, kind of magical, uh, you know. Someone coming coming to you and saying that my my academic life is over, uh, I failed, and then coming out of your office thinking, okay, let's do this, and uh, and and then going on with their with their career. It's uh, it it sounds like magic, but uh, it's very eye opening to me uh, at least in terms of how much part of of this blockage comes from ourselves of what we tell ourselves also of course influenced by what the environment is telling us of course or you compare yourselves to others or the people you look up to like your pi or or etc which is normal but um it feels to me that uh taking part in your trainings and in your webinars and actually i'm sharing it here on the video scriptoria.com for slash en for english um and you can find martha on twitter martha Berglam. uh so if if you're in this situation of of being blocked um i i recommend talking talking to you because you seem to have really understood a, a lot of what's easily workable to get you writing and i think and all, all what all that you've been saying is i want to get you writing and then and then you'll you'll kind of there'll be a current that'll start and then the, your boat will sail from there <laughs> it's super super interesting you were saying uh, many difficulties come from ourselves or our environment last week i was uh, present in a presential workshop and there was a young lady she wrote a very long sentence uh, and she wanted help because she saw that it was too long and, under and understandable she wrote it on the table Nobody understood what she wanted to say. And then I asked her, what do you mean? She explained it with very clear words. And then I asked her, why don't you write what you just said? <laughs> and she did it. And then the sentence was great. So um, some people think it has to be complicated, sophisticated to, be, to, to, to sound intelligent. Just write as you talk. This is already great. Mm -hmm. People want it to understand what you say, what you what you are writing, not more. Yeah, and more people will be able to go through your thesis and actually understand it and find interest in it. I I love it. So we do have a question from Michel Fornhof that who says, "Can you say something about the ideal pace of writing? How much a day? How much a week? How much a month?" First, I will say what does not work. <laughs> What does not work is uh, to work when you have inspiration uh, or to work uh, for eight hours, 10 hours uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a slot. Um, what works is regularity. So even if you work every day only one hour and a half, if you do it every day, I mean, you can take one or two days off, this is okay. But writing regularly, one hour and a half, or perhaps a little bit more, uh, is much more productive than working for slots of eight, ten hours, and then you need to break to regenerate, so you are uh, tired for two, three days, and then again you work for a long slot, and again you're tired. This is exhausting um, for the body, for the mind, also because after a period of um, doing nothing, writing nothing. Um, you need time to find the track again. So the beginning is more and more difficult because you know that you will be losing time to find the track again. Mm -hmm. While if you work regularly, you are on the track and it is much easier to start. 
um, and to motivate yourself to, to work and what will help you a lot will be as far as possible to dedicate always the same time, I don't know, from 7 to 8.30, for example, every day for writing. More if you, if you have more time, of course. But what is important is um, if you have the whole day, for example, to work, um, to take a break after maximum three hours. Don't work more than three hours in a slot and then take a break, a good break, a one-hour break. You will, I don't know, you can eat, you can take a nap, you can uh, play football, whatever, or what helps to regenerate your batteries, to recharge your batteries. Uh, what you should be aware of is that a break is something which helps you to recharge your batteries. So if during the break you start to write your emails to um, to do all that it, you don't like to do, it, you are not. This it is doesn't not count. Break. Doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So that if you work for a slot of maximum three hours and then take a break break of one hour, then you will have after this, this one hour break you will have still energy to work for two or three hours in a slot again. Mm -hmm. First, we are allowed to take 10, 15 minutes break every hour or every 90 minutes, depending on what you need. It makes sense. And it's really interesting what you said about regularity. It's like if you want to pick up a sport or if you want to to learn a new skill, uh, if you want to, uh, let's say, okay, I want to, to do meditation regularly, well, it takes putting integrating it into your daily routine in a predictable repeatable and 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 you know consistent way and one this way one day you don't think about it anymore it's not an effort anymore and it's uh, it, psychologically again there's this psycho the psychological thing you you'll be expecting it every day at that time so you won't have that, oh, man, I'm going to go writing. And if you do that other option of, okay, this month I'll write, uh, I'll do, I don't know how many blocks of eight hours, that that's going to be tough on you. And, and, uh, and it's often counterproductive too, because the quality of your work uh, along those eight hours is going to potentially go like this. Of course, of course. End of your mental health. Let me uh, then ask you a, a final question, which is school just started. Some people just started their PhD now. If they've watched this interview, they kind of, they should know that they should start a, a PhD journal uh, that's for them. It's kind of to, to kind of dump their ideas and, and, and not lose them, uh, they, that they should read them regularly and not wait until until the end to go and read all those volumes but uh so for anyone who's now in graduate school and eventually will need to write a thesis are there tools you know apart from going to see you and and learning about these things and and learning about these techniques are there tools that are accessible that you have uh that you uh have used that you recommend to your to your coaches uh, that that you can share with uh, the Papa PhD listeners, writing tools or uh, not necessarily. Yeah, writing tools or, or any anything that that will be helpful in this exercise of thesis writing. Writing, it it has to be with uh, with reading. So I would like to say something about reading. Uh, also, mm -hmm. when you read, particularly at the very beginning, uh, you might feel overwhelmed by the mass of uh, literature uh, which is available. What is important is always to have a goal, to ask yourself, why do I want to read this? And just to focus on what is fitting with your goal. Mm. If your goal at the very beginning is something like to get an overview on this topic, you don't need to understand every single, um, every single detail. You just need to understand the big idea. Mm. Yeah? For example. Uh, I often compare uh, reading scientific literature with uh, shopping. If you have an unlimited budget, you just go for shopping. You buy everything you like, no matter if you need it or not. But if you have, um, you are expecting friends for dinner tonight and you have a limited budget, you'd rather list up what you need, go to the supermarket, 
like this and focusing on what you need and only on what you need. When you prepare a PhD, it's quite similar. At the beginning, you might have that uh, the feeling that your budget, uh, your budget is time. Your time budget is unlimited. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you might have the feeling you have the whole life to read. But um, at the end of the first year, the latest, you start to notice that you don't have much time. And then you need to write your, to write your needs, to write your goals, and to focus on what you really need to read in order to reach your goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you cannot read everything from the beginning to the end. And you, nowadays, depending on the, the, the topics, but for most topics, you cannot read everything which is published. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. have to make selections. And what helps to make selections is to know what you need. Very good. Uh, it it it, uh, it makes total sense. And, uh, and it looks to me like a lot of what we talked about uh, has has to do with so making the experience more fun and and to be more of a source of joy than of stress has to do with uh with planting the seed early on and 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 slowly working your way up to that moment where you actually need to to uh, to start start you know writing and 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 turn turn in your thesis so the message kind of the home the take home message for me from this conversation with you is a lot of what's blocking you comes from you that's one message the other thing is the earlier you start doing these little things reading up writing putting down ideas on paper uh and and uh, and thinking of goal start diamonds etc the earlier you start the easier at the end it's going to be to put it on paper and to and to have the first draft, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and uh, and I, I know that a lot of you that are you know now in your in your in, in your thesis, you are very very focused on today. You are and and you are asked to be very very focused on today, and so this this uh, this last uh, recommendation or. or advice that Martha gave of integrating this thing of nurturing your thesis into your routine, into your daily routine, uh, is very, very important. Because if it's part of your routine, then you'll you'll not question it. You'll you'll kind of you'll have this little plant that you'll water a little bit every day and uh, and you'll see that that it'll It'll start growing, but it does take starting it fairly early on. So and it's funny because often here on Papa PhD, I, t- I talk about career readiness and I say it starts early on. <laughs> and here it's the same. And in, in a way, it's related because to finish your thesis and to go to the next step, you need this is one thing you need to do. And um, yeah, I... I if you've listened, if you've watched, one thing I want you to keep in mind is you have the power to do a lot of things that will help you make it a better experience. Of course, uh, you know, there's always, of course, the, the the concept of going towards someone like Martha and, and get some training and get some coaching because there's always things that, there's always moments where we're kind of at a loss of what to do next. And I've tried this, I've tried that, and it didn't work. Um, but I would say, start thinking about it today, wherever you are in your, if you haven't thought about it, if it's, this is the first time you've thought about, okay, when I should start writing my thesis, start today and implement something, one thing, this writing of a diary, for example, and then keep, keep it, uh, like day as a daily, uh, hobby (laughs) on the, on the side and, and as a fun thing. And you'll see that if you start early on, in the end, it'll be less stressful. That, that's that's what I'm getting. I don't know if you if you wanted to add something, Martha. Yes, yes, absolutely. If you start uh, to write in a, in your diary, even if you just write five minutes every day, it's much more than nothing. And even two minutes are more than nothing. Yeah. So the regularity <laughs> is the most important thing. And I mean, if after a while you 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 abandon your PhD diary for any reason. 
it does not mean that you will never again go back to it. Perhaps you have started one and uh, you forgot it. You forget it. Now it's time perhaps to go back to your diary and to continue uh, writing. Mm -hmm. That's mm. true. Martha, it's been great having you here. Uh, this was a great, great conversation. A lot of important points. I'm super, super thankful that you had the time to come on Papa PhD a second time, this time in English, and to to kind of shed some light on this, on on a lot of the mechanisms that are preventing us from having fun writing our thesis, but then also to share some of the strategies to make it fun. So thank you so much. This was, this thank was you so much. It was a great pleasure. <laughs>